praise the Lord, beloved. Thank you for listening to our previous sermons. We once again honored to bring to your hearing another powerful sermon from PUD English Assembly. We pray this message blesses you. So to start, I like to ask you a question, which is who are you? So as a human being, who are you? The reason why I'm asking this question is that until we understand who we are, we don't understand how we are supposed to take care of our, ourselves. And we have to understand that scripture shows us that as a human being, you are made up of body, spirit, and soul. When you look at Genesis 2 verse 7, you realize that God formed man from the dust of the ground, and then he breathed into man the breath of life. So there you see two aspects of man. You see that there was a body, and you see that there was a spirit. And then when you go to the Psalms, chapter 53, David is one of the Psalms of David. And he spoke and he said that, My soul runs for you, O Lord, in a dry and thirsty land. So it shows that David realized that apart from his physical body that he did, there was also a soul that he had that was longing for God. And so you have a body, you have a soul, and you have a spirit. Now that we are clear on this, we need to ask ourselves how we see our body. And it's important for us to know how we see our body because if you don't see your body in a certain light, you will not understand the need to take care of your body or you won't know the reason why you do A, B, That's why I'm discussing this here. So our body is a blessing that God has given unto us. It is a vessel through which we are able to do the things that He has called us on earth to do. God says that He has prepared us good work for us already, planned long ago for us to walk in them. And if we are going to walk in them, means that we should have a body to allow us to walk in that in, in those ways. Our body is a temple. And so if we understand that one, our body is a vessel of God that allows us to do the things that he has told us to do, and two, that our body is his temple, then we should know that we cannot treat our body anyway. So now, with this um, background, I would like us to move more into the medical aspect. The first thing that I would say is that with regards to healthy living, which is the first part of our discussion, is to know yourself. So I don't know how many of us have checked our BP, our blood pressure in the last this year. Let's just say this year. Okay, I see one hand. Two, three, four, five. Oh, that's very, very encouraging. God bless us. So it's important that we know certain basic things about ourselves. Our blood pressure is one of them. Our weight, our height, our BMI. Our BMI is your body mass index. And that's what lets you know whether you are of a normal weight, you are overweight, or you are underweight. It's possible for you to be in any of these categories. And you will not know until you've done your DNA, which uses your height 
and you there's a formula for it, but it's very easy. Even if you go on Google and you type let um check my I want to check my PMI, there are calculators on Google that will allow you to once you have your height and you have your weight, they can check it for you. And it will let you know whether you are within the normal weight, you are overweight or you are underweight. So like I was saying, know yourself, your basic things about yourself, apart from your blood pressure, your weight, your height. Also know things like your blood group, your sickle cell status. The reason why these things are important is that let me talk about the sickle cell status, for example, that's the one that usually hear protein SS, S, A, S, A. That one is for the sickle cell status. For our young people who are not yet married, if you are AS and you are going to and mind someone who is AS and possibly give birth to possibly give birth to children, you have to realize that there's a chance that one of them, not even one, with every single pregnancy that she has, there's a chance that the child that you're going to give birth to can be a sickle and that's having SSG type. And sickle cell is not an they put a lot of burden on the children. Yes, everything has gotten to a stage where there are a lot of improvements in the way they're able to care for them. But still, even with all of that, we still have people dying from it and then they don't live to a very long age. And so, knowing, knowing your sickle cell status health, if you know that you are someone who's here, if you even meet anyone that you know that you are interested in, the first question you should ask. Before anything else, is that what is your sickle cell status? For you, so that you don't fall in love with the person, even. No, the thing is, I actually have met, I had a friend who was in a relationship for a very long time and almost nearing deciding to get married. And then that's when they both found out that they were both ASAS. And so they had to go their separate ways. And it was very painful. Yes, you get to my yes, you feel bad. Should you really have to go through all of that? It's, I feel like it's something that can be prevented. Another thing is knowing things like your healthy status, whether you have hepatitis B or not, whether you have HIV or not. These are things that are around us in our community. And some of these things that I mentioned, they are very easy to do. Blood pressure measurement, like you know, pharmacy have a BP machine in their pharmacy. Most of them are stores around us. Almost every one of them have it. And they either take it for you for free or you pay one dollar or two dollars. I've not had anyone charge more than that. So something like your height as well, you can just get a wall like the one we have here. Stand by it and then let someone just use a pencil or a pencil mark. And then you just get a normal tape measure like in the CHS street. When you just measure it, you have your height. So some of these things here, the, the um, other ones are the blood group and the sickle cell things and all of that. That one you need to go to a hospital and a lab for them to do those ones. And those ones, you have to pay money for that. But I really need to decide to do even one of those tests. Maybe every three months, not even one of those tests. By the time the year ends, you know all of these answers. I'm a family here and I know my sickle cell status. I know my access and status files. I know all of these things. And so as I'm working, I'm informed about my health. The next thing that I also want to mention is that 
Know what exists in your family. Know the duties that exist in your family. A lot of the duties that we have are passed on from generation to generation. And so if you know that maybe my mother had hypertension, maybe my father had diabetes, it should let you know that these two diseases, there's a possibility that I may develop them all. I have a risk of developing them. So I have to make sure that I live my life in such a way that I'm unlikely to get them, or I should keep an eye out for them so that when it's, it's beginning to show, we can easily deal with it. Uh -huh. So ask your parents questions for the younger ones. Ask your parents questions about what diseases they may have. Sometimes some of us just know that we make this relative of us sick, but we don't know what exactly is wrong. It's not very helpful because you know that you are related by blood. Whatever happens to the person, there's always the possibility that it could happen to you. So with this in mind, I want to ask to move on to how we can improve our health. So the first thing that I would say is what we discussed at the beginning, that it starts with your mind and how you think about your body. And knowing that you have to treat your body with love and with care. One important thing is our diet. I know a lot of us have heard a lot about diet. And I'm not here to criticize any particular diet for anyone. But I'm just here to say that pay attention to what you eat. There are a lot of diseases that have begun to show, something things like cancer, especially. There are a lot of cancers that nowadays um, are more, are happening more often in younger people. There are certain cancers that, something like breast cancer, there was something that you think that only older people, women older than 40 and 50, they were the ones that got breast cancer. But now we are seeing people who are 25, 26, younger people getting breast cancer. And apart from breast cancer, there are other diseases. And that are beginning to show more in young people and old people as well. And this is my, my theory is that a lot of it has to do with our diet. A lot of the processed foods that we are eating, the canned food that we are eating, a lot of that have certain things that we really don't know about and we are not very aware about. The way our lives are working, we can't completely do away with it because right now it's a part of our course, it's a part of how we eat. But then I'll say that the key is eating everything in moderation. So I wouldn't say don't eat chicken at all or don't eat meat, don't eat pork, don't eat snow. Most of us have grown up eating all of these things to completely do away with it will be very difficult. But I'll say that if it's in moderation, if you know that this week, maybe Monday to Wednesday, is really eating it will be what it will be every day. Take this to Friday, try to find something that is healthier. So pay attention to that. Don't try to eat one thing in excess. Anything in excess is not good. Try to eat more food and vegetables, even if it's once a week. That you take something that's a seed, even the one is once a week, that you take something that's a vegetable, it's fine. Me personally, growing up, I didn't like salad at all. But I realized that it wasn't every vegetable that I didn't like. So sometimes it will take you experimenting with different vegetables and realizing the one that you like and the one that you don't like. And it's not my fault to eat every vegetable. I mean, I don't like cabbage. So you will not catch me eating cabbage. I will not eat cabbage too. But I realized that I really like lettuce and I really like carrots. So if you eat these are the two that you realize that you like, 
and you find it difficult every now and again, it helps you. Another thing to pay attention to is our exercise. Most of us are not able to exercise because we are very from, from morning to night, we are doing one thing or the other. We are very, very busy. Exercise <laughs> But please, exercise is important. It's very important. And there are ways to go about it to incorporate it into your lifestyle. If you know that the certain distance that it doesn't require you to take a car, don't take it. Besides walking safe. These are the little things that because right now the way our lives are, it's very difficult for most of us to that sometimes be very real because I know that if I come and say, oh, every two days, exercise from five o'clock to five ten, we can't do it, we are tired. But if you know that we are in a building and then there's an elevator and then there's a staircase, don't take the elevator, take the staircase instead. Little, little things like this. Instead, whenever there's an option for something that is more convenient, not every time that you take a more convenient one, sometimes try to do the one that will require more work. And that those are the little ways that you can improve your exercise. If you work in an office and you realize that you are sitting behind a computer for hours, every two hours, give yourself a reminder. If you have to set an alarm on your phone, but every two hours, you are to wake up from the chair you are sitting, and that you don't need to go out, just take a few steps around just to improve your circulation. It's much better than sitting down for those six hours. For all of that sitting down, it causes problems. You will not see it today, but in five years, when now you're having neck pain, now you're having weight pain, you're having low back pain, all of that is from the way we are fixed. Eyes look to extreme for a long period. So find ways of being active throughout the day. You might not find time to stay at jogging every, but you have to find ways to be active. The one thing that helps me is that my dog, apart from maybe from the consulting room, most of the time you are walking up and down, and so it helps you. Now there are apps and things that record the number of steps and things that you take. Challenge yourself that you want to meet this number of steps every day. And let's try to improve our exercise day by day because honestly it's important. <laughs> Another thing is that um, have a good health eating behavior. And what I mean by that is that when there's something wrong with your body, be quick to identify it and be quick to address it. Some of us have a lot of animals, unfortunately have very poor health-keeping behavior. We only go to the hospital when things are bad. But what we don't realize is that if you come to when things are bad, the things that can open down for you too. The list is going shorter and shorter the more you stay at home. And so when we realize that something is wrong with us, please let's come to the hospital. I know that there's a lot of fear. For most of us, it's fear about what it's going to be what the doctor would say, and um, you are scared them to say you need an operation. This is so many things. But I would say that it's better that you have the knowledge and you decide that you will not go ahead with whatever the doctor is suggesting than 
you will stay at home with whatever it is, and then come only when it is out. Because all you do, after the experience of meeting you, you might be the one to even say, okay, oh, what can this be done for me quickly? You know? So I know that the fear is a barrier. A lot of us are afraid of what, because most of the time, with the orthodox medicine, and like the herbal medicine, Orthodox medicine will really tell you about cure and will manage it for you, but and will not will not give you false hope. Will not give you false truth. Only God can cause a miracle. But we will tell you what you can do scientifically and usually it's limited. And so people don't like that. People want you to give them false hope. And I'm talking to you, you can't do that. But I always say that. Most of the methods that are done in hospitals have been proven over time. There's a way that it's done and it's safe for you. Which is the next point about herbal medicine. Herbal medicine is not bad. But because there are people who are licensed herbal medicine, like you have a baby healthcare and all of these other ones, that have lacked. FDA approved and all of that. My problem is with the herbal medicine that you see someone in the VIP holding uh, ointment or holding some medicine, there's no label, there's no exciting dates, there's no FDA stamp, and this medicine can cure pulse, can cure hypertension, can cure diabetes. Can cure infertility. What can it not cure? <laughs> it can cure everything. And medicine don't work like that. It, 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 you see, the way God even designed the body, it's not even realistic for one medicine to go through so many things. Because God designed the body in such a way that every organ is different. The liver is different from the pancreas, is different from the heart. They are different receptors. The body is very, the human body and the anatomy is very, very unique. And so it's, it's, it's impossible for one drug to be able to do everything. But most of the things that they sell, they, that, that's how they package different lines, different lines. That's, that's what they say, that they can do everything for you. And the problem is that fine. Maybe whatever they have in the drug. There's an active ingredient in it. I don't doubt that because even the orthodox medicines that we have, they are all gotten from plants. They just been processed and refined into what we are seeing. But my problem is that what about the other components of the drug? What about the side effects that we have from it? Have they tested all of that? Because see, there's something that we went to school that says that every drug is a poison. Even paracetamol is a poison. The reason why paracetamol is not poisoning is because they are taking it in the right amount and in the right dose. If you take much more than you're supposed to, you can die from paracetamol poisoning. So that's my problem with it. And the thing is that there are three things in the hospitals. The liver is the organ in your body that is responsible for detoxifying. It's like a washing machine of the body. So anything that you take in, it removes the toxins out. But when you take a lot of these herbal medicines that may have some problems in it, and you overwork the liver in layman's and then you just that way, you can get this iconic liver and you can die. The people who come, you ask them, they, their eyes are gotten yellow all of a sudden, they are very sick, you ask them what happened, you say maybe they got 
Take it something that looks like malaria. They may be both one of these herbal medications. After taking that herbal medication, all of this started happening very quickly. I, I had a patient like that, and the patient died. Before, in less than a day, the patient was gone. So let us be careful. I'm not bashing herbal medicine, no. Because I know that there are some of the market that have been tested and approved and safe. But my problem is the ones that are sold by people that you don't know, with no labels, no exercises, and nothing. Now we move on to special scenarios like the hypertension and the diabetes, and I'll talk a little bit about the um, breast cancer for the women and then about prostate cancer for the men, because these are the more common things that we find in our settings. So, starting with hypertension. Hypertension is probably the most common disease that we have. Everybody knows someone who has hypertension. But, and the truth of the matter is that hypertension is a condition that can be managed if the individual will allow themselves to be managed. But the problem is a lot of us don't really understand what hypertension is about, and we have certain myths about it. One thing I want to say is that hypertension is, unless God heals you, hypertension is the disease that you have for life. If you are diagnosed with hypertension, it's not like malaria or typhoid or what the other name. So there are certain diseases that are like infections that can cure many antibiotics of the media that is hypertension is not one of them. If you are in a, there's a stage that is called a pre-hypertension stage. If you check your blood pressure and your blood pressure is more than 140-90 or more than one location, most likely you have hypertension. But there's a portion between 130, 135, that's called a pre-hypertension. So hypertension has no full setting, but you are getting this. With that kind of stage, if you put in certain interventions into your lifestyle, how you eat, exercise, moving with, you may not develop hypertension and you could get cured and not use your medication. But once hypertension is set in properly, that's having a duty higher than 140 over 90. If you look at the blood pressure, like there are two numbers. There's the one on top, which is called the systolic, and the one on the bottom, which is called the diastolic. So if the top one is more than 140, or if the bottom one is more than 90, on two certain locations, so maybe you check today, you check tomorrow, you check over one week, and every time it's considered high, most likely you have hypertension. And you will need to be on anti-hypertension medication for life. If you are being monitored on this um, every, every month or every two months, or depending on how well you are doing, you need to see the doctor who will be reviewing your medication, who will be reviewing your blood pressure, making sure that everything is going okay. And the reason why is because hypertension has complications when it is not controlled well. So if the BP is controlled well, you will be able to live a life. There are people who are 70, 80, and because they comply with their medications, their checkups, all of that, they have hypertension, but they need to live for, for life. And they are okay. 
But if you don't take your medication or you are not aware that the medication is ongoing, this is why I tell you have to take an alarm because some of you are not aware. And the first time that you'll be aware that you have a medication when you get the school. They go come to the medical emergency and they come to the school. You take their blood pressure, the level is high, 200, 180 in the sides. And you ask them, oh, did you know that you had a detention? No, you knew that. You are not telling that. Or someone says, ah, it's not a mask. We need to have a mask. We need to a lot of them, that's what they say, well, what's the most happy visa? They were told, but they didn't take it very seriously. And now the show was their effect. So things like show, things like kidney diseases, things like our eyes, there's something called hypertensive ventilopathy. It can affect your eyes. You can go blind quite literally from hypertension. So these are the reasons why doctors are always campaigning on, not because of the DPA program, because of what it can cause if it is not controlled. So the assignment that I would give to us is that we should all at least know our blood pressure. Know whether, as I told you, if it's anything more than 130, you should be content. Anything below you are in the safe range. That's for the top one. For the bottom one, anything more than 90, you should be concerned. So please, just also, even the pharmacists and the doctor, they know the normal one and then what is normal. So they will tell you if your blood pressure is fine. The way they can prevent us from getting things like hypertension is, as I said, the exercise, the reducing our fat intake, losing weight if you find that you are overweight. Losing weight is important, and also the salt, our salt intake, making sure that we are not eating too many things that are salty, the amount of salt that we are putting to our rice in our food, the maggi, if you are putting maggi, putting salt, putting hunger, putting all of these things, they all have salt inside. <laughs> so if you are putting all in it, you should be very careful. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Another thing that we we'll talk about is um, for the men, we talk about prostate cancer shortening. So, the prostate is something that is found in only men. Women do not have what we call a prostate, only men have what we call a prostate. Now, the prostate is with every man. It uh, produces a kind of fluid, some kind of water that is put to the same in men. Now, as a man is growing older, the prostate size can begin to increase because just because they are growing older, that's just the way it happens. It's not all men, but majority of men will have their prostate size as they grow old. And the way the prostate is, when it's getting big, it can block something that is called the urethra. The urethra is, let's say, a pipe that urine passes through before you be able to be removed. So when the prostate is getting big, it can block this type. And that is why the people start having issues with urination, start saying, my prostate, my prostate. What happens is that when the type is because blocked, you might find that when you are urinating, you have to strain and touch a solution and start again from other. Or you might have the feeling of urination, but when you go to urinate, realize that you have to wait for a while for the urine to come. Or when you finish urinating, like you finish urinating, but you feel like there's some left behind. 
Or you realize that they are eliminating more frequency than normal in the night. You should be waking up more than three times at night. Even more than three times at night to urinate. If you are doing that, either you have an infection in your urine or it could be your prostate if you are a man. So, for the men, I just want to be aware that as you grow older, especially from 40 50 plus, you can have an enlargement in your prostate. And this is how these are the common things that you will see. Having this person urinating, urinating treatment, feeling like your sound left behind, you start making it soft, architecture, that kind of thing. You should see help because. When it starts like that, there are many things that you can be given that will decrease the size or stop the way the patient is going to be. If you don't seek the help early, it's like a pipe. So, every day it is getting bigger. There's a day that it will get completely big and then it will block the pipe altogether. And when that happens, you will not be able to do it at all. So, sometimes you'll be in the emergency. And you see an old man that was coming, his legs are so, his legs are so, and it's very, very painful. Imagine when you want to urinate and the, you are trying and then you use the it's very, very, very painful. Whenever you, you have, at that moment, you have to pass a catheter, what people say, you are a rubber. You have to pass a rubber and then use them on the unit. When the unit comes out, they can thank you, like, <laughs> they will thank you the time and because it's very, very painful. So my 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 advice is that when we go through the same thing happen, let's see the help early. Because the other thing is that part of the fact that you can get enlarged, you can also have cancer, and you will not know until certain enlarged and certain cancer, and you won't know whether it's just the cancer that has come or whether it's actually cancer. You never know. And if it's cancer, it can be very dangerous. You can go, you can move from the cancer itself. Your back because the process is close to the spine, the lower portion of your spine. And we have patients that become paralyzed in their legs because of process matter. It can move to your chest, affect your lungs, your liver, it can go anywhere. It is a very bad cancer, let me say. So let's be aware that for the men. And for the women, I always talk about breast cancer and cervical cancer. Examine your breast often to know what is the normal. So when there's something wrong, you will be able to spot that. A lot of times women are scared about their breast being part of and all of that. But doctors or health assistants are not teachers for them to pass something when it doesn't need to be passed. And most of the time, the state that makes you are supposed to come in that nothing will happen is the state that most people don't come in. They wait until everything is bad before they come. And then when now it's like it's like we are we are the ones starting a rumor and I we are the ones that confirm that rumor because we don't come to the end of the day. So knowing the breast and going sometimes I think every 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 year there's a certain month that is the breast cancer awareness month. And usually during those months, most hospitals provide free screening. Uh-huh. So take advantage of this opportunity whenever you hear your such. Um, another thing with cervical cancer in women, it's not very common. A lot of people, it's something that happens, but a lot of people are not aware of cervical cancer, like they are aware of breast cancer. The cervical cancer is a cancer of the cervix. The cervix is 
your God that is in the later to know and put all the things together. So let us pray, let us God give us the help. But let us also make use of the opportunities and the services and the opportunities. Thank you for making time to listen to this message. You can be part of our assembly by fellowshipping with us this and every Sunday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. on PUC Campus. So, God richly bless you.